God, we ask that you give us the gift of your word this morning, God. That it will fall on listening ears and open hearts, God. That, Lord, we might receive it with gladness, God. And that God will be obedient to your word, Father. We thank you and we praise you. It is in Jesus' mighty and master's name that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and thank God. There is a word from the Lord. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, we're going to take a look at the book of 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. We're also going to take a look at a passage of scripture. I'm not going to read it in the text. We'll also look at Philippians, the second chapter. We have a bookmark put in Philippians, the second chapter. If you have it, say amen. First Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verse number one, it says, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self. For I know nothing by myself Yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. Let me read this to you in another version, the Message Bible. It, it reads, don't imagine us leaders to be something that we aren't. We are servants of Christ, not his master. We are guides into God's divine secrets, not security guards posted to protect them. The requirements for a good guide are reliability and accurate knowledge. It matters very little to me what do you think of me, even less where I rank in popular opinion. I don't even rank myself. Comparisons in these matters are pointless. I am not aware of anything that will disqualify me from being a good guide for you. But that doesn't mean much. The master makes that judgment. I'd like to take for thought from this passage of scriptures. We are servants, no more and no less. All of us have been called to serve becomes problematic when we confuse servitude with positions. There are times that we take positions and we believe that people are here to serve us. But understand that the service that we render unto God must come from the heart. It is something that we've been called to do. 
I did not accept this position to be served by you. I, said, I accepted it because this is what God has called me to. And so therefore, I cannot be moved or motivated by perhaps what you may think of me or how you may view me. And that goes for every preacher of the gospel. Because as I began to watch church on the internet, began to watch church on TV, the televangelists, it seems as though we have what's known as these rock star pastors. They feel like the congregation is to always continue to just serve them and to give to them. They keep on taking and taking and give very little in return. The call to service is one surrendering ourselves. This book of 1 Corinthians was written because there were some problems that were going on in the Corinthian church. Some notable problems. As a matter of fact, if you go back to the first chapter, you'll see the reason behind the problem, which prompts Paul to write this in the fourth chapter. <clears throat> because the church had begun to get, be divided based upon who was preaching that Sunday. All of them had their own personal preferences. There were a lot that loved Apollos because Apollos was a very eloquent speaker. Apollos knew how to put it out there. They were swooned by his words. And then there's the one that said they were of Peter, of Cephas. And I don't know, perhaps because, you know, uh, uh, Peter was one of the original apostles, one of the original disciples. But for whatever the reason, there were some that said, well, we're following Peter. And then there's the one that said that we were we loyal to, to Paul. Paul. Paul is the one that brought the gospel to this Corinthian church. He was responsible for the church being in existence because of his missionary work. Paul was a great apostle. As a matter of fact, perhaps the greatest of them all. And it's because he could consider himself to be the least of them all. Which ought to tell us something. Don't, don't, don't go around sticking your chest out because you got a position. Don't, don't, don't think that you've arrived because you know, somebody has appointed you in a position. Because our position has nothing to do with the work in which we perform. It's not about the position. It's about the work. It's about putting in the work. This is what pleases and honors God when we put in the work. So there was ones that were following Paul, perhaps because of the work that he did. And then there were ones that said, well, we, we're following Christ. And absolutely all of us should be following Christ. Because Christ is our example. Paul goes on, he goes on to, 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 to tell them and, 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 to, and to tutor them in, in having good wisdom. Godly wisdom. It's essential for the church to have good godly wisdom. But Paul also understood that he could not come to them as spiritual, that they were still babes in Christ. And the evidence of it is that they begin to splinter. 
They had begun to go off into factions and have their little cliques. That's evidence of an immature church. But a mature church understands that, that everything, no matter who it comes from, it comes from God. So no matter who's in the position, it does not matter. It all comes from God. It does not come from us. Look, look, look in the text. He said, he said, let a man so account us as the ministers unto Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Here, here he talks about ministers. It's really a servant. Now understand that when you look at scripture in the Greek, most times this word for servant is interpreted doulos in the Greek. And it literally means a slave. Someone who comes under the authority of another. But in this text, he uses a different Greek word here. He uses the word hyperetas. Hyper means underneath. Etas means to row. Here's the idea behind the whole thing. It's like a ship that is going down the sea and it's moving. There's no sails that are set, but it continues to move forward. The reason why it's moving forward, because below the deck where no one can see them, there are men rowing. And they're continuously rowing according to a cadence. Understand that they're all rowing together. They continue to row. Even though no one recognizes them, no one sees them, they continue to row. This, this, this is the idea that Paul is trying to get them to understand. It does not matter whether they pat you on your back. It don't matter whether they approve of what you're doing. You keep on rowing. You keep on rowing. Because here's the deal. When you cannot explain why progression is still going, all glory goes to God. Let's not come to me. Does not come to you. And understand that this is not just for the preacher or the pastor. This is for all of us. In other words, you have a you have an ability to serve wherever you go. You have an ability to show forth your servitude. It doesn't matter where you're at. This is the expectation. Don't, don't, don't wait for people to say thank you. Don't, don't, don't wait for folk to pat you on the back and, and congratulate you for what you're doing. Listen here, when we look at what Christ has done for us, we, we, we look at how he served us. And most times, we don't even turn around and say, thank you. You remember the ten lepers, don't you? Only one came back to say, thank you. Well, where's the nine? But it didn't matter to Christ. Christ continued to serve. So we're servants. But not only are we servants, we're also stewards. Understand this word for steward is, is the same is in the same capacity. It means that you're just a servant. But God has given you authority over a certain household or, or a certain thing or a certain portion of land. God has made all of us stewards over our lives. It don't belong to us. This, this, life, this life is not mine. It belongs to God. 
and I crucify myself daily that I might be able to walk into the integrity in which God has called me to. Walk according to the vocation in which I've been called to. And that, 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 that's, that's loving people. That, that's caring, that, that, that's feeding, that's shepherding people. That, that, that's feeding you the word of God. Listen here, I would do what I'm doing right now without the position or the paycheck because that's what God has called me to do. It ain't about none of this other stuff. But it's about glorifying God. And that's what I want to do. I want, Lord, I want to glorify you. That your name might be glorified. I'm that under, I'm, I'm, I'm that under rower. I want to be beneath the deck. Don't, don't even see me. Just, just, just keep on rowing, keep on feeding, keep on shepherding, keep on loving, keep on giving. And if I get discouraged, I have the word of God to give me the encouragement that I need. I have family that knows how to encourage me as I encourage you. So, so, so Paul writes this because he wants to put this in the right perspective. He, he, he does not want us to lose focus on who the real giver is. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is all in him. He is the one that gets the glory. And so he, he deals with this. He deals with this. And Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is our perfect example of a servant. It is in Jesus Christ that we live, move, and have our being. As a matter of fact, if you look in Philippians, the second chapter, Paul puts it like this. He said, he talks about Jesus. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So servitude starts with a mindset. Don't, don't, don't ever think that you're more than you really are. As a matter of fact, you, 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 need to, you need to continue to humble yourself as Christ did. Every servant needs to humble themselves. That, 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 that's your part in all of this. It's to humble ourselves. He said, listen, let this mind be in you. That was also in Christ Jesus. Well, what mind is in Christ Jesus? Listen, this is how Christ He said, who being in the form of God. Listen here, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In other words, it's talking about the divinity of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. He had every right to claim everything that God the Father had to claim. But yet here he said, but he, he in verse number seven, he said, but he made of himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. This is a decision that was made. And understand this, that God didn't wait for us to get it together before he made this decision. He did it before the foundations of the earth. Before any of us were born, Christ died for us. He came and gave his life for us. He served in the capacity of death. So what kind of servant are you? That's what we must ask ourselves. Because understand this, that brothers and sisters, that everyone on this earth is serving something. 
Whether you saved or unsaved, you're serving something. So what kind of servant are you? You can't be a servant and you're prideful. You lift it up. It takes us humbling ourselves. It's saying to ourselves, Lord, yes and amen to your will. You see, because the servants say, not, not, not my will be done, but God, your will be done in my life. This is what the servant heart says. I, I, I pray that you get this. I pray that you understand this. It's not about what I want. It was what, what God wants for me. What he wants for me to do. And I cannot do and accomplish what the servant wants, I mean, what God wants me to do unless I humble myself. I come to a place of surrender unto the Lord. That's the problem with most Christians today. We don't want to surrender ourselves to the authority of God and God's word. We must surrender ourselves. That's what he did. Verse number eight of Philippians 2, he says, and being fashioned as a man, listen to this, listen to this. He humbled himself. Listen, because a part of it, a part of humbling yourself is obedience and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That, that, that's, that's, that's the extent of servitude we need to offer to God. Let me ask you this. Are you willing to die for what God has said? Are, 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 you, are you willing to suffer rebuke because you go against the grain? Are, 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 you, are you willing to stand up for those weighty issues that our society are coming up against? Will, will, will you stand publicly and declare your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ even when it costs you something? Are you willing to, to walk in the same shoes that Jesus walked in? This is, this is a servitude that God is looking for. This is what pleases the Lord. It's not about our will. It's not about us. The truth be told, it's never been about us. It's all always been about what God has wanted. And it should always be about what God wants. We are his servants. We are not the master. We don't tell him what to do and how to do it. He instructs us. We get our marching orders from him. And because it's not his will that any man should perish, our work is to go out and evangelize the world. Give them the good news. But it's hard. If you have not become a servant. You have not served to the capacity that you're willing to risk everything for the gospel's sake. And I'm determined that that's what I'll do. Regardless of what comes my way. No matter what anyone says. I'm a Christian on my job. I'm a Christian in my community. I'm a servant in my home. 
Everywhere I go, I endeavor to serve God. Because one of the greatest things that a servant can be is consistent. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And he can't expect nothing from the Lord. But when you've been sold out to God, when you've been bound and determined that you're going to sell out to God, that you're going to give him your life in service to him. And not necessarily just to the church. There, 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 there are many of opportunities on Sunday mornings to serve. And there is great opportunities. But did you not know that Jesus did most of his service outside of the synagogue? Paul did most of his preaching outside of the synagogue. That's where our service begins. Yes, you sing in the choir. You're on the deacon board. You're sitting in the pulpit. You're ushering. That's great. The church needs that. But how are you serving once you leave here? In other words, is this the only service that God is getting from you right here? Is it the only service that, that, that he's getting? I mean, do, do people have to prompt you to serve? Every individual that's named the name of Christ should be looking for opportunities to serve in some type of capacity, inside and outside of the church. We got to cheerlead people to serve. No, when you have a heart. No, 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 no one had to prompt Jesus to do what he did. He said that I willingly gave my life. What's the last thing you willingly gave to somebody? And didn't expect something in return. I know I'm preaching. I know I, I, I may be stepping on some toes. But understand that I preach this to myself first. I don't look for no accolades. Nobody has to wake me up and say it's time to go into worship. No. If God woke me up in the morning, that's an opportunity for me to worship him. To render service unto him. To honor him. To bring him glory. This here, this is the benefit of it. Because when you begin to serve, and I'm talking about truly serve from the heart. Look, at, look this, this is what God did here. In verse number nine, he said, wherefore God has what? Highly exalted him, speaking of Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and the things under the earth. There's a benefit and a blessing in serving. If we would just serve according to the will of God. If we would just serve God in spirit and in truth. Understand, understand, becoming a servant of God in this church is a lifelong journey. It never stops. Because it brings forth our growth and it transforms our lives. It cultivates deep relationships with God. When you are a servant of God, you, you, you have that, that, that relationship, that one-on-one that -on -one time with God. You spend time in prayer. 
meditation and reading his word, understanding his word, letting his word change you. Another reason why you, you should serve is that, is that you, you, you seek God's will for your life. God became, becomes your, your life planner. He's the one that directs your path. A part of us being servant is being led by God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me, what, behind, beside still waters. It's God that's leading us. And he can lead you all the way. And then we all need to try and develop a servant's heart. Part of developing the servant's heart is denying oneself. This is a critical component of servitude, is when you deny yourself the things that you want to do, the fleshly desires that you want, the ambitions that you have. We've all been called to deny ourselves. Jesus said that if you're going to be his disciples, you must deny yourself. In other words, count yourself as being nothing. And let God do with what he will with the rest of it. Because nothing from nothing leaves nothing. But God is one that can call the universe out of nothing and create the heavens and the earth. So God can take your nothing and make something out of it. But it takes us coming to a place of nothingness and saying, God, use me as you will. And the, it's also an opportunity for all of us to use the gifts and the talents in which God has given us. Everyone sitting in this room has a gift. They have, you have a talent that God can use for his glory. That's what he desires to do. You're sitting down on your gift. And I try and exercise my gift every day that I wake up. I know what my gift is. I know what my abilities are because it's what comes natural for me. And my gift is to love. That's the gift that God has given me. That's a gift that no one can take from me. That's a gift that continues to keep on giving and giving and giving and giving. So let the word of God Direct your paths. Utilize the gifts in which God has give, given you. And then also serving involves your participation. Some of us have been sitting down on a pew and doing absolutely nothing. Even on the inside of the church. There's a ministry work for each and every one of you right here in the church. If you can't work inside of the church, you certainly won't work outside of the church. Participation. What, what, what is your part in church service? What, what, what are you rendering unto God as a service to him? You understand that, 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 that service is an opportunity for you to be great in the kingdom of God. If you really want to be great in the kingdom of God, Jesus said that you'll be servant to all. And some, some of us are just content just sliding into heaven, right? We, we, we just want to barely get in. 
But understand, I want everything that heaven has to offer me. I, I, I want it all, God. I, I want to be able to go in and, and he said, that good and faithful servant, well done. That, that, that's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear, oh, you, you, you just made it in. It's all right, you're here, but, but you just get in by the skin of your teeth. But it's those ones who are serving down here, who's become servant of all. Because servitude will cost you something. It will always cost you something. And Jesus Christ, again, is our perfect example. He served till he died. Yes, he did. As a matter of fact, did you not know that he came here for that purpose? He came here to serve us, to serve others. He said that I didn't come to be served, but I came that I might serve and give my life a ransom. So understand, a part of Jesus' servant was to give his life. And that he did over 2,000 years ago. He gave his life for you and for me. He showed us how far we ought to go when we serve. Even until the point of death. Yes, they took him and they marched him from judgment hall to judgment hall. They did, they accused him. He did nothing but serve, but they accused him of being a common criminal. And all he did was did the will of his father. Yes, they marched him from judgment hall to judgment hall, went before Pontius Pilate. And even Pontius Pilate declares, I find no fault in this man. I've searched, I found nothing wrong that he's done. But because of you, because of you, the Jews, we're going to crucify him. And that they did. They beat him with a cat and nine tails. Beat him till he did not even look like a man. They spat in his face. They hit him and asked him, prophesy and tell us who hit you. Yes, and then they took him and they nailed him. They put the nails in his hands. This is his servitude. They put the rivets in his feet. They pierced him in his side. Put a crown of thorns on his head. He suffered blood and died. For your sins and for my sins. He gave his life for us as an act of service to us. So therefore, we should do the same thing. But the good news is that he rose from the grave on the third day with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. He got up from the grave. He got up to finish the work of Christ. He got up that we might be justified that one day we'll get up as well. So just like Jesus, I'm going to serve until I die. If it costs me my life, I'll continue to serve. If it costs me everything that I have, I've gained in this world, I'll continue to serve him. Because he served and he gave his life for me. And understand that Jesus is still working on your behalf. Because the text tells that he sits at the right hand side of the father. And that he's yet still praying for you and praying for me. That there's some things that we've gotten out of is because Jesus prayed for us. And he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. And this is, he's coming back for servants of his. Those who are willing to serve him in whatever capacity that he calls us to. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open.
the gospel message has been preached, is there one that will come?